Welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dis- dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at wideteams. This is episode 49. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. Joining me today is uh, Wade Minter and Andrew Berkowitz of TeamSnap. Wade, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Why don't you guys start out just by uh, telling me a little bit about yourselves and uh, and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew Berkowitz. I'm the vice president of product uh, management at Team Snap. Uh, I do a little bit of everything, but primarily my job is to uh, manage and execute on the product vision to make sure we're building the things that our customers want us to build. I'm uh, one of the original four founders of Team Snap, and uh, so I've been here from the uh, very very beginning. Excellent. I'm the director of engineering. I manage all of the technical operations, uh, former programmer, former sysadmin, doing less and less of that as we have more talented people than me doing more and more of those. But I make sure all the technical operations are moving along the way they should be, manage the mobile operations, pitch in on the business side as well. And while not technically a founder, I was a contractor with TeamSnap when the product launched. So I've been there since the first line of code was written. And what does TeamSnap do? TeamSnap is a web application and now also a uh, mobile application on Android and iOS for managing your recreational youth or competitive sports team. So if your kid plays hockey or you play on a softball team, uh, it's web software that helps you manage that, your roster, your schedule, messaging, all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, and it's, it's based – your company is based in Boulder, right? Correct. Right, but neither of you are in Boulder. Is is that true? Right, I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon, and Wade is in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, is the rest of your team similarly distributed? They are. We have uh, one person in Austin. We have uh, a couple people who are in the Baltimore, Washington D.C. area. We've got another couple in Portland. Uh, we have two people who are actually in Boulder, uh, and then we have a number of other contractors who are kind of scattered all about uh, the country. So, what was the uh, what was the history there? How'd that come about? So, back in the the day, uh, originally TeamSnap came out of a company that was a web design firm, and we kind of built this this little web application to scratch our own itch. We wanted a way to manage our own soccer teams and there wasn't anything on the market that we thought was, uh, could really do that. So we just started, uh, we just started building something and eventually we realized that this would be a good way to get out of, uh, the web design world and into having a, an actual product we could sell. And so, you know, many years later, uh, Team Snap spun off into its own company and, uh, and that's how we got to this point. So when TeamSnap was being developed in the web design company, you know, we picked people where we could find them to help out. So the company was originally started in Portland. I was in North Carolina at the time. There was another guy in Portland who was kind of pitching in. And when it got spun out, the CEO that we hired was based out of Boulder. So 
the company got incorporated in Boulder, but there was never any real impetus for us to relocate everyone to a central office because by that time we had been pretty successful with just working out of our houses and building the product as it was. So they, we really didn't see any need to mess with the formula. What's the uh, makeup of the team as far as, I mean, I imagine you have, what, some uh, developers, designers, um, do you have QA, what do you have? So we've got about half the team is development, and I kind of include design in that as well. Uh, so we've got some Ruby programmers, a sysadmin, a designer, whatever Andrew and I happen to be doing at any given point in time. We've also started the company with a very big focus on customer support. So we have a full-time customer support person and have since the very inception of the company as well as several contractors. As we're moving into selling additionally to leagues, we've got one of our founders is working in the as kind of our league sales and account management. Uh, we have a CEO, a, a marketing guy, but we're pretty much half and half between development and non-technical. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the, the day in the, a day in the life of Team Snap as you are all working together on a single project, a single product. Well, pretty much. I guess you have the, the mobile and the, and the web apps, but, but still, I imagine pretty integrated product, uh, but you're all over the place. Certainly. So from the technical perspective, we take advantage a lot of Campfire. That's kind of our primary communication tool. We have several Campfire chat rooms, some set up just for developers to kind of talk amongst ourselves, some set up for the whole company, some set up primarily for operational things. And that's where a lot of the conversation happens. So we're all, when we're online and working, we're all in the chat room. That's support and development and all the rest of it. From there, we can kind of launch into side conversations if we need to, but that makes sure that when issues get raised there, everyone's able to see it either live or by going in and looking at the campfire logs. On the development side, we also take advantage of GitHub's email notification system. So when commits go in, they go out to an email address that gets sent to everyone on the development team. That way we all know what everyone's working on, even if, even without having to have a lot of kind of for, very formalized status meetings. Hmm. Okay. So you don't, um, you, you are pretty limited with, as far as meetings, you don't, uh, I mean, how, how often do you have, have meetings? Do you have like a, um, you know, uh, weekly planning meetings or anything like that? Or do you, do you do daily standups? Sure. We do about two meetings a week scheduled. So we have an all company meeting where all of us call in and uh, kind of share status that's appropriate for the company at large. The CEO fills us in on the business goals. The support people tell us what they're hearing and support. That call goes roughly an hour on Mondays, uh, midday for me, morning for the West Coasters. And then we have a Monday afternoon East Coast time developers only meeting where we kind of digest what came out of the company meeting, raise any kind of red flag issues that need to be raised to internally to the development group at large. And then those are kind of our two scheduled meetings. Um, Team Snap's development style is fairly, uh, fairly unique. Um, we, we were a development a technology company that was primarily started by people uh, without technology backgrounds, which is an interesting story in and of itself. But 
we were trying to figure out, you know, what is our, what is our development methodology at Team Snap? And, you know, we're not particularly agile. You know, we don't have cards and stand-ups and pair programming, but we're also not kind of the traditional waterfall method. And our developer in Austin actually came up with what I thought was the best description of our style. He said that at Team Snap, our development style is very Montessorial. Hmm. Um, and, you know, my kids went through Montessori school. So that actually rings a bell with me. Basically, you kind of, our developers know the, know the goals of the company that, and they kind of work on what they want to work on at the pace they want to work on them. And if they need for help, they ask for it. And if they don't, they don't. And if they get bored of working on one thing, they kind of move on to something else that is important. And eventually the work kind of gets done. Mm-hmm. So with this widely distributed team, we've found that we don't need, we haven't needed a ton of formalized stand-up meetings and a ton of process because people will, you know, they know what they need to do and they'll kind of do it and report back when they're done or report back when they need help or somebody needs to check something out and things kind of progress that way. Hmm. Very nice. And I'd say we do a lot more kind of ad hoc, uh, conversations. I mean, and there's certainly side conversations that go on by chat or phone calls between various developers and designers and, um, and stuff like that. So it, it's definitely the case that, you know, when people have a problem or need help or something, they just kind of go directly to, the person who can help them hash that out. And it's kind of every time we've tried to add more process or more meetings into the mix, we basically kind of gotten onto the call and realized that nobody really has anything to say because we've already taken care of the problem. So we sort of, we try to, we try to cut down process as much as possible. Gotcha. Have there already been, been any particular challenges you've had to overcome as you, as you've um, scaled up a distributed team? Yeah. I mean, the, the, I've worked in both an office environment with a lot of people, uh, right before coming to TeamSnap full time two years ago, I was working with Rackspace in San Antonio in a huge office with a lot of technical people kind of packed in close together. And I've discovered that it's, in my experience, easier to kind of make sure everyone's on the same page and motivate people and kind of build a very strong sense of community if you're all seeing each other on a regular basis. That's a bigger challenge, I think, when everyone's just at their house kind of working their own hours and you're primarily communicating through text-based media. So, you know, we really have to make sure that we've got people who work well in their environment, who can be self-directive, who can buy into what we're trying to do without having to, you know, see us every day and, you know, get the company T-shirt and go to rah-rah type meetings. Um you know, that there's a reason people tend to work in offices and it makes some of those things easier. But for us being able to make the commute down the hall and if we need to take off, take off and not have anyone kind of looking over our shoulders has tended to outweigh that. Mm-hmm. I think another challenge, honestly, is is preventing people from overworking because one of the you know, one of the things that happens when you're not going into an office is you kind of lose sight of the nine to five mentality. And it's really easy for people to end up kind of working nights and weekends and all kinds of stuff just because, you know, the office is is your home. So, you know, we do have to sometimes tell people to shut their computers down or, you know, just take take some time off because they there is a tendency to to overwork. Mm-hmm. So um, how do you. How do you sort of identify people that are going to work well this way? 
That's an interesting point because we're hiring right now and kind of running into that same problem. Um, it's it's somewhat interesting, and it's probably because we have t- tended to tap our personal networks for employees pretty heavily up until this point. But on our technical team, almost all of us have an improvisational comedy background. Uh, hmm. Kind of, we know each other through various improv circles. Andrew's done improv for you know 15 years. I've done improv for like 15 years. Um, Several other developers have done improv and, you know, it's kind of somewhat of an accident, but I think that that type of mindset is very conducive to a distributed team because you're used to kind of getting a little piece of information and just kind of running with it and having people who are watching your back and supportive. And that I think has been one of our strengths in that we find people who really don't get flustered easily, who can kind of pivot very quickly, roll with new information um, whether or not you know, we're, you know, there's only a certain lim- number of technical people who do improv who are interested in re- you know, getting a new job. So, you know, that's probably not something that's going to carry us through our next five or 10 hires, but it's been something that mindset has proven to be very valuable for the type of work that we're doing. That's interesting. Um, that's an interesting connection. I, I mean, should more programmers take up improv? Absolutely. It, uh, I mean, all, all joking aside, I mean, improv teaches you a lot of, uh, skills that just help you in interpersonal communications in terms of listening and saying yes and, uh, brainstorming and stuff like that. So it's, uh, going to take improv classes is, is a great idea. And it's funny. I think, uh, I think programmers tend to like it because, uh, there definitely is kind of a, an intellectual component to improv in terms of sort of breaking down how it works. And I think that appeals to a lot of people who have a programmer's mind. Yeah. Andrew and I have run improv team building workshops at OzCon the past couple of years, and they've been very, very well reviewed and people have come out of it with a lot of good ideas. And when I came back this year, after we did it last year, we had some people retaking the class and coming in and telling us, you know, this has really helped me at work because, you know, I used to kind of just, sit there and shoot all these ideas down. And I got the reputation as the, you know, jerk programmer who, you know, is arrogant and doesn't listen, but, you know, taking these improv skills and applying them to my job. Now I can respond in a positive way, improve brainstorming. And now I'm looked at as the most helpful guy in the company. So Hmm. we like the, we like hearing those stories. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of working in a, in any kind of a technical firm, there's a lot of just sort of, you know, you got to change on a dime, you get new information and, you know, your competitors do something, you realize that you can't ship your product when you wanted to, you know, you, you accidentally come up with a new feature and you, you have to figure out how to roll it out. There's just, there's a lot of our kind of our day to day work that, that doesn't follow the script. And, you know, if you try to rigidly adhere to the, you know, six month and one year plan that you come up with, that's not going to do you any good when circumstances change. So being able to kind of take in new information and change on a dime and do it sort of happily and gracefully and without panicking is a great skill to have. So, um, you know, in my experience uh, now, I've never done improv, but I, I enjoy watching it. You know, it seems like it's it really capitalizes on that um the high bandwidth communication between between two people that can you know interact with each other on stage or or between you know those people and the audience that's right right there in front of them um what 
do, do you take any lessons from that that you're able to apply to the, the much lower bandwidth communication options that you have with like campfire? Uh, I mean, what is that? How does that inform the way you communicate, uh, day to day? I think the most important thing in, in improv and that makes improv work is just listening. And when you go to see improv or beginning improvisers, when it, when it doesn't work, it's when people aren't listening and they, they've already got their own idea formed. And so they're just, you know, you'll, you'll watch a, an improv scene and, and just what's being said doesn't follow or doesn't make sense because people aren't listening. And, and those kind of listening skills are the exact type of thing that you can bring into a, a business environment and, and even in a distributed team where, you know, it all happens via, via chat. So it's not, you know, as rapid fire or as sort of, uh, on the spot as, as being in a face to face meeting, the ability to, to really listen to what's being said and hear it and process it and then respond versus, you know, just spitting out your own ideas hmm. makes it, makes a tremendous difference. I mean, we, I, I think Wade will agree with this. I mean, we very much encourage everybody at Team Snap to be opinionated and, it's definitely not the kind of company where kind of management makes decisions and it gets handed down to the development team and they implement it. I mean, we really make it a point that everything that goes on in the company, everybody has a voice in. So, you know, if, if somebody on support, you know, doesn't like what we're doing with a feature, they have every right to say it. And if, you know, somebody on development doesn't like what we're doing as a business direction, they have every right to say it. And when you give people that kind of, freedom to participate fully in all ends of the company it really means that everybody needs to be open to listening and accepting and processing and and responding Mm -hmm. and when you're not doing it face to face i think those skills are even more important because you know you've, you've you've all seen it's hard to read tone from somebody's email and you know we've all seen facebook posts where you just you know you miss you misunderstand what somebody was trying to say. And it's really easy to do that when you're not face to face. We just don't have the same visual and verbal cues. So, you know, being able to stop, listen, process and, and respond in a, in a thoughtful and honest manner is super important. And one of the things that, that we've put in job descriptions when we really look for are big ideas and tiny ego. So, you know, we want people in the company to be able to say what they want to be able to throw out ideas and know that they're not going to be judged or just shot down. Like, ah, that's a stupid idea. At the same time, you know, not every idea is going to be the winning idea. Your position may not be the winning position. So if there is a discussion and we all kind of weigh in and we all try to reach a consensus and you know, the solution you were advocating is the one that didn't, didn't make the cut. Also don't go in and sulk, just support the decision that was made Get behind it, try to make it success, and you know as much as possible, check your ego at the door and don't take it personally mm-hmm. i mean i think uh, I mean I think if you're a if you're a manager, if you manage a team and people don't regularly tell you that you're wrong, you're probably not doing a good job of managing because it means people are afraid to tell you what they really think so i'm I'm thrilled when people tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm curious, like, how that, that openness, that listening plays out in some of these interactions. Like, if, if I looked at, at your campfire channel, would I see you prompting people, uh, for more information often? Um, what you'd see first and foremost is a lot of animated GIFs. Because <laughs> that's okay. really, that, that keeps us on our toes all day long. 
Uh, Wade, do you want to address the rest of that? Sure. So, you know, we've got people who are not not the most talkative folks. So, you know, we have an improv background. People aren't afraid to speak their mind. But at the same time, we've got people who are pretty who have that background, but generally don't waste a lot of words. So if you were in there and we were discussing a new feature, you you would probably see somebody throwing out, throwing out an idea. Hey, we should redesign this this way or we should add this or we should ax this feature. And probably a couple people be like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe. And then some, you know, one of us probably who tend to talk the loudest or the most would, you know, just kind of spur the discussion. Like, all right, uh, you know, Emily, if we, if we got rid of this, how would that impact you? And then Emily would say, well, that would actually be pretty bad because, you know, the work I'm doing depends on it. And then Mark would weigh in saying that, you know, well, actually, I've done some looking into the system, and this is only used by 1% of the people. And then Alan would weigh in and say, yes, that's the 1% of the people that are currently our biggest promoters. And so the conversation would spiral that way. So it's not really – just because we're improvisers doesn't mean that we're chatterboxes necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, once a conversation gets going, everyone does feel willing to weigh in because they know that – it's not going to be the kind of thing where I'm going to say, well, Alan, you didn't support my idea six months ago and I lost. So I'm going to, you know, try to shoot yours down just to kind of regain some face or something. You know, we're all, we're all, we all respect each other's opinions. We all know that everyone's got something to weigh in on and we're all supportive of the idea of brainstorming, just trying to get as much information as we can before making a decision. And, you know, we've got a, a pretty varied, development team were on average slightly older probably than your than your normal startup uh but we also have a old woman in portland so she brings her own perspective into it and you know we've got people whose background is primarily big companies and you know very structured systems so they bring their own perspective and then we've got people who come from kind of very freewheeling startups so where the skill comes in is being able to try to find everyone's perspective and build on it as opposed to find ways to cut it down. Mm-hmm. And and to add to that, there's a tremendous difference in, in personal dynamics between meeting in person and, and meeting in something like a chat room. And, and that's where I think something like a, our distributed team actually serves to our advantage because I think people are often, especially – programmer types who who tend to be introverts um, find that face-to-face communication is difficult and it's it's sometimes you know the person who's loudest is the one who gets heard and I think when people are are put in a chat environment they're sometimes willing to say things that they just wouldn't say out loud and I, we see that dynamic you know in the difference between our our in-person development meetings because we do get everybody together every few months for for in-person meetings versus our our online chat-based meetings and i think you know people's tendency to to speak up or speak out are are different in the different settings that's a really interesting point i thought so too (laughs) do you uh do you find that you're do you find that you're able to have uh, more flexibility and like your, your work life balance because of the, the fact that you're distributed. Yes. With the caveat of, uh, 
Andrew's point about people working too much. Um, and I, and he, he was making that comment to me, uh, more so than anyone else. <laughs> um, but aside from that, aside from knowing when it's okay to unplug the being distributed and being very independent kind of Montessorial type workers is a huge advantage. So, you know, if, if my preferred schedule is to roll out of bed about 1030 and then work until, you know, 11 o'clock at night, that's cool, even though I'm on the East Coast and our Alan, our other guy in North Carolina, might be started at seven and he's done by four. Um, and then, you know, Emily in Portland will come online about noon Eastern and then work late. But being able to being in a position where, you know, you kind of set your own hours and people know how to get in touch with you if they need to. But otherwise, they just kind of work on what they're working on means that if I need to go pick up my daughters and have lunch with them at school or if I want to go see a friend of mine in the afternoon, just hang out with him for a little bit. Or if I want to take off early and go see a daytime baseball game, no, no one bats an eye. You know, we don't have a vacation policy. We don't have a, a paid time off policy. It's like you need to go somewhere. You know, tell us you're going to be gone, and okay, we'll, you know, we'll do fine without you. Come, you know, come back refresh. Hope you have a good time. And that I think is one of the biggest strengths of of what we've been able to build as a distributed team. And and an added bonus to that is that just because of people essentially working kind of when they want to work across multiple time zones, we essentially have, you know, kind of a dev at their desk for 19 or 20 hours out of the day, just as the way it works out. So we actually end up with, you know, a lot of product coverage uh, without having to come up with crazy schedules where people are scheduled to work in the middle of the night or anything like that. Mm. Something that I am asked more and more, uh, I, I hear from a lot of programmers who are um, often not living in one of the major tech hubs and uh, they'd like to get hooked up with a distributed company and they're they're not sure uh, where to start, how to find that job and, and how to, you know, and, and then how to be the right candidate for that job. Uh, do you have any insight into that? How does somebody, uh, make themselves the right candidate for, for a, a team snap or a, a company like that and get noticed for that matter? It's a great but, question. Yeah. I think the, we've, we've primarily recruited, like I said, through personal connections. We've also used job boards. Um, I know that, Several of the job boards I've used, like the Pragmatic uh, Programmers Job Board, I think I, – I don't think GitHub's, but some of them specifically have a checkbox where you can say remote work is okay, telecommute's okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, going to those job boards and saying, show me everything that's telecommute optional is probably one way of doing it. Beyond that, you know, it's tough. How does anyone kind of find any sort of job in the mass of recruiters and job postings and everything else? There doesn't seem to be, at least from my perspective, a dedicated, like, we want distributed people type of job board. If there was, we would certainly advertise there. Probably another way is to go to your local tech meetups and find out if anyone has a company or knows a company that, you know, hey, yeah, I work here in North Carolina, and but our company is based out of San Francisco. But, yeah, they're open to people, you know, more people working remotely. So let me introduce you to someone there. So it seems to be that kind of tech meetups and co-working facilities are the way you find the people who are distributed. They want to get out and see people, but they don't have an office and just try to strike up a conversation with them and find out if they're not hiring, 
do they know of other companies with that same sort of work setup that are? Mm. The other thing I'd say is um, don't spend as much time looking for job postings. Look for the companies you want to work for because everybody's hiring. I mean, whether or not a company has jobs posted on their on their website, everybody's looking for good people all the time. And so, you know, there there are plenty of companies out there that that do uh, have distributed teams. I mean, you can, you can Google search for certain companies or you can, you know, listen to the podcast on, on this website just for one, but there's, there's lots and lots of companies out there that are known to have distributed teams or, or some distributed people and you should target those companies. Don't, don't wait for a job posting, you know, contact them, start a relationship, find out if they're hiring now or down the road. I mean, I think that the bigger problem is that most, uh, most people who are looking for jobs don't have any idea how to package themselves or go about presenting themselves to a company. And that's probably a, another topic for an entire another uh, podcast. But, it, you know, Team Snap would love to hear from great people who want to work for us, uh, whether or not we have a job posting. And, um, you know, people should, should just target those companies they want to work for. Good point. Uh, and I think that's, that's, I, I had, uh, some of the GitHub guys on, uh, recently, and I think they made a, a similar point about just, you know, getting in touch with the companies that, that you're interested in. So, um, <clears throat> before I let you two go, uh, let's get some contact information, uh, where people can find out more. So, uh, uh, TeamSnap is, is at TeamSnap.com, right? That is correct, yes. Alright. And, uh, Andrew, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, they can go to andrewberkowitz.com to learn more about me, and I'm also uh, Andrew Berkowitz on Twitter. And Wade, what about you? Uh, my my personal website's fallen into the doldrums, but so the best way to get up with me is Minter, M-I-N-T-E-R, on Twitter. All right, Wade, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. And that's our show today. I do hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, or to check out more interviews and articles about remote work, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where reviews are always very welcome. I am still seeking a sponsor or sponsors for this podcast to help me keep great interviews like the one you just heard going up every week. If you or your company might be interested in sponsoring the show, please email me at contact at wideteams.com. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off. Wow, 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 wow,